No rock stars, roadies, or groupies were harmed in the making of this broadcast. On the Rocks with Jamie Wilson is brought to you by Offshore Music. Go where the sound takes you. Giving it to you straight and no chaser. This is On the Rocks with Jamie Wilson. On the Rocks with Jamie Wilson is brought to you by Offshore Music. Go where the sound takes you. Hey, 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 what's up, man? Welcome to On the Rocks. I'm Jamie Wilson. Boy, it's a rainy Wednesday night. I hope you guys are staying safe out there and dry. And we've got a great show for you tonight because it's vinyl night. So we've got two guitar gods on the show tonight to talk about their extensive vinyl collection and their music and the stories behind it. But before that, we've got a few announcements from Offshore Music. Suspiria Pink's brand new album, Vices, is available on all streaming platforms now, so you better, better, better make sure you guys listen to this amazing album from these amazing, amazing young men. Also, We've, we're releasing Sabado 1995, the Eraserheads 45 RPM vinyl. It's coming soon, and it's feature, it features the Esquire recordings, and it also includes bonus remix versions by DMAPS and Lust Bass. Also, we'd like to thank our friends from the Misty Mountain Cafe and Buenos Dias Panaderia. Buenos Dias Panaderia has this new concoction, and I think it's my new favorite. It's the espresso buns. It's actually edged out. The Milo Buns as my favorite, favorite, favorite baked goods from them. And it's amazing. It brings me so much happiness. And of course, if you pair it with the premium coffees from the Misty Mountain Cafe, it's a perfect combination. We'd also like to thank our friends from Liquor.ph because the best rums are at Liquor.ph this July. The month of rum is still going on at Liquor.ph. And I am drinking this Clement tonight. Yeah, this guy, this dark, this dark rum is keeping me company tonight. Now, the month of rum is still going on at liquor.ph with up to 45% off on bottles and bundles from Matusalem, Clement, Plantation, and more. So make sure to visit their website to get the best on these rums until the end of the month. Thank you so much, liquor.ph. So, hey, man, oh, we've got an exciting show because, you know, from backstage palang and the chikahan and the kwentuhan, it's going to be a fun night because we've got two guitar gods. Our first guest coming up, I want to introduce him. He is the founder of the UP Jazz and Ensemble, leader of the jazz group Johnny Allegra Affinity and the world music group Human Folk. He is an exceptional guitar player and performer. It's such a pleasure to watch this guy on stage each time. He's also an avid comic book collector and a vinyl collector. Please welcome to the show Johnny Allegra. Hello, everybody. Hey, nice Johnny, how you doing, man? It's good, it's good. Rainy weather, but it's good. I know. Shut up. You know, I love, I love the rain. It's such a mixed blessing. It makes me want to go out and wear a jacket just to be outside. But then at the same time, it's also nice to stay home. So it's so, you know, <laughs> it's just one of those nights. All right. Yeah. I'm going to introduce our second guest. Um, he is the endorser of Vox Amps Philippines. He's the lead axeman in both the jazz group Chris the Bride and also for the longest running blues band in the Philippines, the Blue Rats. And I've had the honor and the privilege of performing many gigs with this man. He's an insanely gifted and self-taught guitar player whose cool demeanor is a sharp contrast to his incendiary solos. He's also an avid collector of vinyl and fine scotches. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Joey Puyat. Hey, uh, I, I like that part of um, 
you know, an avid collector of uh, fine scotches and, uh, <laughs> and and vinyl. You know, I, I better not say it too loud because my wife might hear and uh, confiscate the uh, the real goods. You know, <laughs> so far I anything have... that you see here behind me, that's um, that's legal as far as she's concerned. Okay, and that other stuff, uh, the the uh, the stuff over there. You know? Yeah, right. look at those guitars and those 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 that those shelves of vinyl, man. Yeah. Joey, I, Joey, I have fallen victim to your to your apple juice many a time during the gig. So, you know that's got to be somehow legal uh, because you're sharing it with the band anyway. You're not drinking it all by yourself. Well, uh, for 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 those that are watching, uh, I I uh, I used to well I I normally bring a a glass of. Uh, of, of uh, libations on stage and uh, just tell the guys that it's apple juice, okay? So um, during our gigs with Jamie, he would always wonder why during the third set, you know, things would get really, really wild. I seen like sometimes I'd forget where we were, okay? And uh, he'd just turn around and give me the eye, you know, she did it. <laughs> and so, um, you know, one time he goes, let, let me have some of that apple juice that you have. And he... My gosh, he turned red. No, it was it was pure single malt scotch. So ever since then, um, that's been our uh, drink of choice. <laughs> well, I I tried to not drink too much of that fine scotch um, during the first and second set because I tend to forget also where we are by the third set. <laughs> yeah, that's okay as long as um, as long as we still know each other by the time the night's over. That's fine. <laughs> Which I'm not okay, too guys, sure it happens all the time, you know. Yeah, it doesn't happen all the time. So, guys, I just want to want to say hello. Want to thank you for coming on to the show. And um, I just want to figure out, you know, so how are you guys doing during the pandemic, Johnny? How's the pandemic been treating you? Well, you know, it hasn't really stopped me. Uh, I, I'm still recording, uh, except that I don't play live anymore. You know, it's been like a long time already that I haven't played live, and I miss it. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's the biggest thing. I've had the I've had the, um, the good fortune to have a few acoustic gigs with uh, our friend Nino Mendoza in La Colina, and really it's it's after a year of not playing live. I mean, we used to have gigs like remember Joey every twice a month, three times a month, three sets per gig, you know. And the good it, old it days. Was, yeah. yeah, I mean the good old days. But then. You know, when, when you come back during the pandemic, it's kind of weird because, you know, in the back of my head, I can't really cut loose on stage because I'm worried about, you know, people getting too close, people not wearing a mask, people, you know what I mean? It's just in the back of my head constantly until, of course, I have more apple juice and then I forget all about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. How about you, Joey? How has the pandemic been treating you? You know, uh, it, it, it was... Um, uh kind of challenging at, uh, at the start because uh, the first couple of months was just a, a total freak. Um, everything was thrown out of kilter. Our office was locked down, which is, I, I, I do have a day job. I go to the office and, uh, uh, you know, I didn't see my people for, for all of two and a half months. Um, and, uh, but ever since then, uh, we've been going to the office. I, I go to the office regularly about uh, five, four or five times a week. But after the third month into the pandemic, you know, um, uh, usually you're, you're twiddling your thumbs and not used to staying home all the time, right? Yeah. And with me, I'm always used to, you know, the daytime, I'm in the office, and at nighttime, as you said, 
We usually have two, three, sometimes there were times, man, that the Blue Rats had about five, six gigs every month. And so, biglang walang gig. So, I'm here, I'm at home, and this is, this is I, I kind of settled on a routine wherein I have dinner. Uh, okay, I'm just cutting short, okay? Spend the whole day and uh, in front of my computer and uh, doing Zoom meetings with my staff. But after having dinner with my wife, I retired to this room here, and it's given me the opportunity to, to play so much music, man. Um, I haven't listened to this much music, and I listen to a lot of music. I haven't listened to this much music on vinyl. Uh, the past year, I probably listened to maybe 15 years worth of listening. Okay? Wow. Because I, I'd spent between seven, five, six hours every night. Um, and I must confess, um, you're seeing part of my 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 collection is modest compared to some guys who are really over the top. But probably in this room, I probably have about three thousand LPs, and I'm ashamed to admit. But I know that there are a lot of uh, obsessive dudes out there who collect as well, yeah. um, like Butch Saulo. Okay? I always pray that before I go to this union which is a recent discovery of mine through him the past three years, three years, that I always pray that I go to this union at least 24 hours before he goes. Because once he goes, he boosts the hat, man. But anyway, I was saying, um, that stash up there, that's about 500 records. And through my successive trips, I had amassed all these, all these uh, LPs, these vinyls that I hadn't listened to, but because I, I was going abroad so much before the pandemic. Yeah. I was able to buy a lot of them in, 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 in Tokyo. It's, it's, it's so reasonably priced and the quality so good. I have, I'm proud to say, out of those 500, I'm down to maybe about 50. I've listened to about 450 of them. Wow. Nice. And then I've listened to a lot of what's, what's under also, again, as well. So anyway, that's a lot of listening uh, for me wow. anyway. Uh, so Johnny, you wanna you wanna pan your camera and show us the boxes of your LP because Joey's making yabang already his shelves. Eh? Yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, those those boxes. I don't know if you can see them well enough. Yeah, I have around maybe three three thousand five hundred records in all of these boxes. Uh, all of those. See those. See those. Uh, each okay, box can probably have like uh, around 50, 50 discs. Yeah. And I don't know. I have uh, 2, 4, 6, 6, 12, 18, 24, 32, 14, 14, 15, around oh, no, 65 we're... boxes. 65 boxes. 65 boxes. That's insane. Around no. uh, 50. Uh, 50 discs. Now, Johnny, you and, look like you're and, very and organized. Johnny, you look like one you're very organized. Um, are there any? Is there is there a catalog system that you follow with your boxes? Uh, not not listed. I, I I know what I have, and they're they're sorted. They're they're sorted in their in, in their respective boxes. Like mm -hmm. if I have a Beatles box, ah, I have a George Harrison box. I have a John Lennon box. I have a McCartney box. I have several Beatles boxes and 
uh, these are catalog. Uh, these are uh, like capital pressings. These are uh, UK pressings. These are Japanese pressings, so on and so forth. And I try to be as complete as possible. And not one copy is less than excellent condition. Wow! Wow! If, if That's as amazing. Much as I see a hairline. Goodbye. Well, so, if there's any hair, so if there's any hairline, I'm here. Huh? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that meticulous. I'm not that meticulous. You, you, you care for stuff like this? Yeah, man. That's Zap. That's Coda. This, Hell yeah! Yes. I, don't, I don't have that yet. I don't have that yet. Uh, uh, let me see. I uh, this is like I have multiple copies. I have multiple pressings. Like this is this. Is, uh, I don't know if you see this. Uh, how do I put it in I front of your face? There we go. The who? Ooh, live it reads. Live it leads. Yeah. Sorry, live it yeah. leads. My, uh, this is my throwaway. I have three different pressings. I have an original UK and uh, 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 never mind. <laughs> I have multiple copies, so yeah. And we so, have a few I, my comments. Problem, my problem. We have is we have a few comments. We have a few comments from the viewers now. Robert Toison says hello, Joey and Johnny. Hey, Robert. Hi, Rob. And then we have Robert Key saying, Sir Johnny, I'm just here for your copies you want to dispose of. <laughs> yeah, oh, no problem. Let's talk, let's talk tomorrow. <laughs> what about you, yeah. Joey? Do you have any organizational, you know, plan for your shelves? Yeah, well, you, uh, you, um, you know, I, I have to credit uh, Johnny for that because um, uh, my, my story is this, um, which um, I, I started... Uh, buying vinyls when I was in late high school and uh, got heavy, heavy, heavy into it uh, after college because I, I had a good fortune of uh, working in Hong Kong. Uh, wow. I, I worked in, a, in an office in, uh, in Causeway Bay, actually. Uh, and um, fortunately, outside of the office, because what's, what's a single guy uh, to do in Hong Kong you know, I'm in my 20s, and uh, most of the staff there are, are local Chinese. So during those days, there was not much to go to, uh, except if you went to a hotel or a bar where there were a lot of Caucasians. So, but the good thing about our office was this. It was in a dump on Hennessy Road, okay, in a girly bar strip. But there were three record bars okay, right beside the office. So right on break time and lunch, break time and after after office, we would go out and, and, and have the obligatory beers, etc., and get wasted. I'd pass by, and I'd, I'd always come back to, to, to the apartment with records. So I, uh, I had amassed a lot of them, and uh, my last record before it was overtaken, before they became extinct, before CDs took over, yeah. if some of you still remember what CDs are, okay, in 86 was the... the 85 was the last time, the last record I bought. By that wow. time, I maybe had about a couple of thousand already. Uh, and um, I remember I went to, to Tower Records in 1986. I, I, I went on a trip to Tower Records in San Francisco. And uh, we went down to Tower Records in Embarcadero Center, where I used to buy a lot of these nice records, jazz, funk, and, 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 and rock and roll. And um, I see all these, these things, right? Uh, it says Tower Records, and then I see all these things with, uh, you know, when, when CDs first came out, they had these horrendously t 
call uh, yung para hindi manakaw. Oh, uh, uh, yung, yung packaging nila, no? Yung packaging. And, and the names of the artists were there. So I, I thought, man, this looks weird. You know, everything looks like, what happened to all the records? So I went up to the to the manager and said, hey, um, what's the deal? Where are the records? He goes, records? You mean LPs? Oh, they're in the back. You know, there's maybe two boxes. Nobody buys them anymore. You can help yourself from those two boxes. So I went back there and then I helped myself to it. But then I realized no other store was selling uh, LPs anymore. Wow. So what, fast forward to 2017, uh, we were moving house to this particular house. And I was, you know, my wife tells me, hey, you know, um, there are these boxes. You know, before we throw them away, can you can you look at them? So I said, ah, no, see, tapon mo na yan. I said, then she goes, no, no, open it. Kasi parang there's music stuff. So music stuff. Okay, I opened them. My gosh. She had packed my whole collection in about maybe 50 boxes. Okay? And it had these speakers. They're JBL L100s. Okay? Wow. Yeah, it had my my old Marantz 4400 amp. It had my old Technics SL12. It had my old Macintosh amp. And then it even had uh, my uh, LP12, my Linson deck LP12. You know, so she never threw any, any of this. So my gosh, I said, I need to set up a music room. So I set this thing up. Now, to your question, Johnny was the one who told me, hey, you know what? You, I was telling Johnny, hey, you know, I'm, I'm setting up my stuff again. You know, can you help me? He goes, what took you so long? You know. You know what you need to do? You need to catalog them, et cetera, et cetera. So what I've been doing is following Johnny's advice. Before, because they were all, you know what? They're all halo halo, and I didn't, I knew where they were. But, yeah. you know, I, nobody else knew. So one part of the stash is my Bill Evans collection. It's maybe all 60 of them. The other one is my whole Stan Getz collection. Maybe uh, my Coltrane collection. Maybe I have. Oh, I'd say about 80. Um, my Sonny Rollins collection is all in one rack. You know, maybe I have about 60. But yeah, man, um, it's it's a work in progress, but I'm getting there slowly. Well, you know, Joey, thank God. Thank God that your wife did not listen to you when you said throw that all away. Thank God yeah, for that. Maybe she was gonna throw them uh, away and you know, lang yan, and then she was gonna give it all to Johnny. Oh, di ba? Johnny. Then I You're right, you know, Joey. Like I remember when CDs first came out because I'm I grew up in the '80s, so I'm a cassette boy. Um, I I grew up with vinyls from my parents, but it never really caught on with me because they were I was not allowed cause to touch them as a kid. Yep. So, you know, it was always like my dad would be playing his music or my mom would or my eldest sister would, but I, w- I was not allowed to touch the records. So it, I, I grew up feeling that it was always off limits to me. And then when cassettes came around, I started my, I, I amassed like, you know, I had thousands of cassettes. Um, and then when CDs came out and they started phasing out cassettes, I went through the same thing. I'm like, where are all the cassettes? What are these? What are these shiny things? I can't. There's no artwork. There, I can't see the track list on the actual disc. You know, when they were first, when they first came out, there were just these shiny discs. You know, there's no, there's no printing yet on the on the CDs. And I remember getting my first CD when I was in London. I got Led Zeppelin two, 
you know, and I said, wow, okay, let's see how this sounds. And my sister, uh, who was living in London back then, and she was doing Miss Saigon, uh, you know, had a CD player. So I'm like, oh, let's see how this sounds, you know. And immediately, I saw the difference between the cassette. I mean, I wasn't audiophile by any measure back then. But I heard the difference between the cassette palang, which I didn't know. You know, eventually I learned analog versus digital, you know. Um, and I learned also the terms when I became a sound engineer. Finally, the CDs were so compressed that I realized that I couldn't listen to them for very long or else my ears started hurting when I'd be listening to all these CDs. So I went back to my cassettes and then eventually when they phased out the cassettes, I had no choice but to try to duplicate my collection with CDs. I'm a very recent vinyl um, collector, an LP collector. We're trying to amass a collection of um, the quintessential rock albums before we move on to other genres. But I can just imagine what your collections, together with Johnny, um, I would have to probably live in your houses for like weeks to listen to your albums. You're welcome to come. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome to come. Johnny, when did you first start collecting? Because we heard Joey's story of, you know, girly bard and record bard and girly bard and record bar in Hong Kong. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I retained huh? <laughs> from your cuento. Johnny, when did you start collecting? I, I, I always liked records. And, and I'm a collector at heart. Even when I was small, I used to collect 45 RPM records, singles. Mm. So that was my passion. You know, like I, I would go to Kiapo in Raon, you know, and I would buy, you know, because that's all I could afford, you know, with my with my allowance. I, I would buy small records, 45 RPM, seven inch records. And I collected songs. I did not collect albums. I collected songs. Ah. Yeah. So, because you know, 45s, forty-fives lang eh. Kasi 45s yeah, lang. 45s. Uh, the ones I like. But even back then, my 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 buying preferences, my listening preferences were always underground. I always liked the, the, the underground music that was happening, the counterculture music that was happening. Uh, give give us then, a few uh, examples. Give us a few examples. What do you mean by underground? Um, cream. Like badge, you know, I would, I would, I would get that 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 song because I liked it. I like the sound of yeah. the guitar, you know, stuff like that. And even earlier, like the Hollies, you know, bust up. You know, I I had a very varied uh, taste in in my listening habits, and uh, come grade five or grade six, I think, or something like that. Um, I I saved up enough money to buy the first LP that I owned. Uh, that was Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, I, I I liked it because it was special because the, the Beatles ran into a lot of controversy, you know. And then all of a sudden they didn't look like themselves anymore. They, they were dressed differently. Yeah. yeah. Mustache. From the from the shiny suits to yeah, all yeah. of a sudden, it, wow, what's all this color? Yeah, so so it was unusual and it really caught my interest. And then uh, when I when I opened uh, the, the cover and I saw the vinyl, it was just one continuous track from start to end. There were no uh, independent tracks anymore. You know, there were no separators. Yeah. So I said, "Wow, this is unusual." So it really caught my my fancy, my my imaginations. That just started getting more and more, uh, you know, like diverse, very, very elaborate listening habits that I started developing. And then I discovered, you know, the all the all of these different uh, things like backmasking playing your record backwards. In fact, the, 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 
the turntable I bought, it's a Technics. Uh, no, no, it's a, it's a Technics clone. It's an OEM. It, it can actually play backwards. You, you can press a button and it will play. You can reverse? The record in reverse, yeah. No. Yeah. No, no, no kidding, no kidding. It has that special feature. One of the things that attracted me to this super OEM record by Audio Technica. So, uh, yeah. But it's, it's a Technics <clears throat> clone, but uh, they, they improved on it somewhat. Man, yeah. I can just imagine the the fun you'd have playing records backwards because when backmasking first came out, I mean that's you know all I mean my parents were like you know rock and roll is the devil's music, you know although my yeah, dad you remember that, Elvis that, that Presley, but Paul is but, dead. Yes, <laughs> Paul is dead, and then the Stairway yeah. to Heaven. If you backmask yeah. it, uh, yeah. you know it, it things about the devil, uh, and then all the Ozzy Osbourne albums were always accused <laughs> of you know. Yeah, yeah. You can backmask yeah. it and all that, but that that's something I must say I've never tried to do. So I'm gonna have to come and visit you, so the we can devil's... play some records backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so you guys, you guys, you guys are 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 excellent musicians. I've had the privilege of either being on stage with you or watching a lot of your shows. Um, now, how can you say? Can you say? That your 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 interest in your music and your vinyl collection, because I mean we think of music as our friends, right? Our albums, the physical albums that we have, um, are our friends. But can you say that these these albums also influenced the music that you eventually played or started playing when you formed bands? Uh, Joey, let's go to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, he left. <laughs> He's trying to connect. Oh, Johnny, let's start with you. Um, did these oh, albums okay. influence your music? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. the mo- the moment The moment I started collecting albums instead of seven inch singles, it it changed the, my whole paradigm because it it was a complete experience. It wasn't just the sound, but it also the visual appeal of the cover. And you know, while it's playing, you stare at the cover, and there's so many gimmicks that goes into the packaging, and it's a complete experience. And so, uh, it was the time for that particular uh, uh, trend. You know, it was the psychedelic era. Yeah. And, and psychedelic in the most literal sense. So. Uh, <laughs> and we all you know, know what uh, you mean by that. We all know yeah, what you yeah. mean. You know, we, we, we were enhancing our uh, nervous systems, and uh, it, yes. it, it made the music sound better. And <laughs> yeah, and and all of those are are engraved in 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 my consciousness. You know, well, I, I knew when to say when, and I knew when to say no, no more. You know, so I, I had a very balanced approach to to my uh, family entertainment. You know, so. <laughs> So uh, yeah, uh, but 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 the, but the enjoyment had had not left me. Um, in fact, uh, there was a time. Uh, this is a personal experience, a bit of a narrative. I hope you don't mind. Uh, there was a time when I, I felt what I was playing was no longer the trend, you know, because uh, I wasn't into this uh, disco. I, I I didn't want to play that kind of music. So I said, what the heck, you know, I, I don't want to do this, you know, because I was playing my own music and then all of a sudden it was no longer in demand. Uh, this, this was like decades ago anyway. So, so this was back in the disco era, in the lounge era. So I, I gave up. I didn't want it anymore. And I became a record producer. 
and I got into OEM. I started producing stuff locally. And that's how I became very proficient. And because I was working in close proximity with production, with recording, with manufacturing, with packaging, with all of the different intricacies of, of the record industry itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so when I emerged from that and I went back as a as an active musician, I had all of that background behind me. And when 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 the vinyl resurgence happened, because for a while it was all CDs, right? Yeah. And I have a huge I have a huge CD collection in the other room, and and they're all in proper Case Logic. Uh, are you familiar with Case Logic? Yes, I have, I have I have several I have several Case Logics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, all all my collection, I have I have several hundred CDs of Case Logic. I have I have you know, my, 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 my problem Logic, now. My I problem now with CDs. My mm. problem now with CDs that I have a lot of Case Logics. I have a lot. You know, they're all categorized and everything. But I don't have a single working CD player at home. Uh, I have a- <laughs> 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 now I have now I have a turntable and Spotify. Mm-hmm. So That's my no, CDs are just if, my CDs are just gathering comes, dust. If worse comes to worse, you can use your DVD player as your as your CD player. Well, that doesn't work either because now we have Netflix. So you know, <laughs> it, it's funny when this yeah. new technology takes over, and you tend to you know you're 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 you subscribe to this new technology. Um, you tend to forget. I at least in my case, I tend to forget the old technology to the point where, like, wow, um, like my laptop right now has a C, has, has a has a CD drive, but it doesn't work anymore because I haven't cleaned it in years. You know, oh. because now I'm busy playing either Spotify or LPs. So yeah. it's funny how the technology when it overtakes uh, when it overtakes one format or another. I remember when mini discs were a format when mini discs first came out. And they had the releasing albums and mini discs. I'm like, what the hell is this? It looks like a small floppy disk, you know. And that <laughs> didn't last. That didn't last very long. But I have a. I, I have a. It's funny enough. I have a working mini disc player, but I don't have a working CD player. You know. Yeah. There's there's this fellow in 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 YouTube. Uh, I I follow his channel very steadily, and he has a very very big problem. He's probably got one of the best record collections ever. Ever, I mean, wow. he's he's a real authority, and I listen to him all the time because he always has something new. and And when he talks about his records, old and new, he speaks with a lot of authority. He really knows his stuff. But anyway, there's there was one situation where he, where he he hosted he co-hosted his his show with his son. And his son was actually very truthful, and he said, "Dad, I'm not interested in your records." I said, "I, you know." And 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 I said, "My, oh my God, what's he gonna do with all of his records? He's gonna donate it to a museum or something? What's gonna happen?" Oh. And and that, I think that's a problem for a lot of us. Uh, what are we gonna do with all of this stuff? Uh, you know, in in well, in, well, I'm here. I'm here. Robert <laughs> Key is there. Robert Twasson is yeah. there. There are a lot of people who want your 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 collection. But let's let's but throw the, this to the Joey best now. Ways to cultivate oh, someone, someone who's young, who's interested in the same kind of yes. music that you are and the same format that you are interested in. And I think I think I think the new generation is missing out on something very important, which is headroom. It's a concept. Headroom is a concept. Um, you, you know, you know, during the CD days, like the compression wars, 
Yes. You know, like you have zero dB and everything is like there. Yeah. And yeah. there's no more headroom. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so compressed. There's no more dynamics because it, it can't go any further than 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 and, where it is. The loudness. Like when, when like when like when they mastered it, it's almost like on the verge of the red now. And that's where yeah, it stays. There, there, and then if you go beyond that, it's distorting already, right? Yeah. So yeah. zero dB is the limit. It's something you can push it a little bit more, but it, it, it it's crazy. And and then now, now in fact, Apple, Apple uh, uh, came out several several years ago or five years ago, uh, with with uh, with a standard called the MFIT, mastered mm-hmm. for iTunes. Because people were starting to complain that whatever it was that they downloaded from Apple, from iTunes, it sounded distorted. And yeah. so now Apple would, would, uh, would uh, impose uh, some kind of a, uh, a standard that it has to be mastered by a certified MFIT engineer, certified yeah. MFIT audio engineer to master it for them before they're able to upload it. I, I don't know if, if if Spotify imposes the same kind of standard, but that's what's happening because uh, because of the loudness wars and and I'm afraid even right now people are not people are losing track of what fidelity is all about because they don't know mm. what what headroom is all about. So everything yeah. is there there. So the the beautiful thing about analog uh, listening is that you can actually you can actually hear the, the fluctuation of the dynamics of the music from loud to soft, from big to small, all yes. of those little things. You listen to Led Zeppelin, you can actually hear the guitar going like this. Yep. Yeah, that's true. You, it, all, it all goes everywhere like that. You can actually hear the whole sound stage uh, going on around you, and it's amazing. And, and you, you, can't, you can't do that with, with the stuff that's happening digitally. And I don't know. I, I how how do you bridge the gap between the old and the new? That's that's a big question. Well, I think like going from the old to the new to back to the old. Um, I had I personally had to realize that you know when I finally got the disc man and I was listening to the CDs and you know the compression and the loudness wars were going on. I realized because I would be on my Walkman listening to cassettes all day long when I was much younger. All day long, and I would be perfectly fine with either popping in a new album or just playing the shit out of this one album that I love, which we always do. Or mean son, if you want, if you like a song, or rewind, play, rewind, play, and I could listen to it all day. When I got a disc man, and these compression wars were happening, I realized that my ears started hurting after a few hours. Like yeah. you know, I, you know, to maybe on the second repeat of the album, so because of all that compression. And all that information, you know, um, being crammed into my ears. Now, headroom, yeah. headroom is a yeah. beautiful concept because, I mean, I, I, you know, you call it headroom, but I, I feel like when I listen to uh, an LP on vinyl that is recorded and released for the purpose of vinyl, like the old albums, right? I, I, can, I can hear the room that they recorded in. It's not in a digital space. It's it's the room that they actually recorded it in, and like you said in the Led Zeppelin albums, you can you can you can hear the, you know the the guitar with on the Jimi Hendrix albums, you can feel him going closer and further from the mic, which adds more dynamics and gives it room to breathe. In my opinion, 
But be, be, before we go on to the intricacies between like analog and digital, I want to ask Joey because he disappeared for a while. Joey, were the albums you were listening to as a young man, did they influence your choice of music that you wanted to play as a guitar player? Okay. Um, you know, most of uh, the most memorable albums that I'm going to pull out, in fact, I is it time? Can I can I begin to pull out my top ten right now? Yeah, let's do it. Let's um, go to the top ten, Barry. Yeah, you know, um, one of the very first albums, like you, uh, I wasn't allowed to touch the record player of my dad. Okay, when I was a kid, mm. and uh, so I had to wait for him to leave the house. When he left the house, of course, he had all these vinyls there, yeah. and I saw this album. Um, which was uh, something by Tony Bennett. Okay, I remember the album. And it had a song called Candy Kisses. My dad would play that over and over and over again. And my mom, when my dad would leave, she'd play it over and over again. And it's the same album that has I Left My Heart in San Francisco. Okay? Ah. So I looked at it and it looked, I put it on the, I tried to do what they were doing. I must have been about maybe 11 years old. So I was finally able to to, to get the tone arm onto the record, you know, like probably scratched it up so much also. And this glorious sound came out of the amplifier, okay? I was able to listen to it. I said, my gosh, you know, I mean, this is so fantastic. I can't wait for my parents to leave the house now so that I can start listening to this. So anyway, when my dad finally got a, a very good sound system at that time, you know, like the amp of which I still have in the back, it's a Marantz 4400 which has wow. been, you know, I remember it from, from my high school days and I, I inherited it from him. Um, and it stayed for a while. I uh, Johnny knows this. I, I had a 4, 8, and 16-track analog tape uh, recording studio. Uh, but that's another story. Maybe we'll have to do another five-hour interview for that. But <laughs> your question, most of the most memorable albums that I've had, that I have, are actually the ones that, that shaped my musical preferences and are actually goalposts and, and milestones in, in my journey. As you yeah. said, when I, was in, when I was in high school, like every other high school kid, um, everybody wanted to play guitar. So I figured, hey, you know, I, I better start trying to play guitar. This was maybe I was second year high school. And so the, there were always guys in Ateneo who were, who were they're always like that. In, in school, there are always guys who are better than you. And you're always thinking, my gosh, how can I play Ventura Highway? How can I? Wala pang, walang, walang jingle magazine pa nun. You know, there were <laughs> guys who, who knew how to do the intro to, like, Stairway to Heaven. And they'd be the most popular guys in town, you know. And during recess time, all the kids would be crowding around them. And, how do you do that? So anyway, what I was listening to, like most kids was a band called Zeppelin. Yeah. And this album is memorable for me because these, the licks that I caught from Jimmy Page in my early developmental years as a guitar player were actually licks that I had listened to from Led Zepp 1 and 2. Now, this album is a box set, okay? Yeah. Right? And it was recorded in the BBC studios, Okay. In 1969, they had just done their first American tour, and they were on the cusp of superstardom. 
In fact, three months after some of these sessions were were recorded, that's when they started to to record Led Zeppelin too. So mm. they were not as the super group that they were known to be yet. Okay, they were just on the cusp of really, really, really breaking out. Now there are no overdubs, there are no studio tricks because they just came into the studio, and they did this. They were doing the soundtrack, you know, the background music for a show called. Uh, was that car show, um, the one of Jer- Jeremy Clarkson? Okay, hmm. uh, Top Gear. Top okay. Gear. Now, top, it wasn't Jeremy Clarkson yet, but believe it or not, Top Gear supposedly has been around since the sixties. Wow. They, they they did some of the the music for that. You know, you know some of the earlier episodes of Top Gear twenty years ago used to have Allman Brothers. You know, Jessica as their soundtrack, their intro. Well, anyways. Wow. That's Zeppelin. Okay, so I, as a young guitar player in second year high school, I taught myself the licks of, of Jimmy Page, and Zeppelin was. Uh, now, like everybody else, I was listening to Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, uh, Johnny Winter. I was listening to Mountain. I was listening to Hendrix. But there was one guy in school who said, "You know, man, you need to listen to this group." Okay. And when I got up, I, I was able to borrow a copy of the LP and I took it up, but I never gave it back to him. Okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, this is not the LP, but let me tell you, when I heard this, my blood. Have you ever wanted to make a podcast but just couldn't get your shit together? Well, guys, look no further because there's this great app called Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast on your computer or straight from your phone. All the creation tools you need in one place, plus an idiot-proof interface, makes it a one-stop shop. It's never been easier to create, publish, and distribute whatever your dirty minds want to say. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started. Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Smooth like butter, baby. Rushed to my head, and it was never the same. Okay, your machine head, machine head. Okay, when I heard Richie Blackmore, okay, it was not only the first time that I ever heard anybody who played like that with that kind of style and that kind of approach. It was like a classical jazz and rock approach, which was orchestral but thematic in in nature. Okay. And the good thing about Deep Purple, so a lot of people say that Deep, and I firmly believe this, Deep Purple was the first, one of the first prog, what people call prog now. That yeah. was them before. I'm talking mm. about the time 1970, 1971. If you hear this today, even today, I was listening to this this morning, and my hair was standing on it. You know, I. the nice thing about vinyl is that, as you said, you don't fast forward. You don't yes. You play the whole album, and that album for me is so iconic that I can listen to it all day up to today. I remember every lick. I remember what pickup position he was on for every lick. I remember what probably what amp setting he was using. So um, it, it's it's so memorable for me. A few years after that, somebody I was fortunate to to get drafted from a rock and roll band that I had into a group called Mother Earth. And they were, they were, they were much older than me, seven, eight years older than me. And they were listening to a lot of more progressive stuff. In fact, 
one of the guys that that was hanging out there was one our, our piano player in mother ed jose he had just come back to berkeley he was a berkeley dude he was a piano player and he was a composer and he said man you know you, you're listening to deep purple that, that's great stuff you know but you need to listen to this stuff and he gave me a copy of this album okay chick korea return to forever light as a feather gives me goosebumps to this day because as mother earth you know I, i'm dating myself okay i was in <laughs> but we we had just won the battle of the bands then okay and we got a gig in a club called pension filipina and they, they wanted us to play all this stuff and you know we played six tunes out of the eight tunes here we did these tunes so i remember there were there are no guitars on this album but mm. you can imagine from 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 from, from rock and roll and to, to semi-prog stuff, I started to play this stuff, you know, totally, totally, totally immersed into this music, okay? Now, our bass player then, okay, was a guy named Colby Del Calzada. Yes, Colby. Our, 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 our percussionist was Yuli Avante. And after Ed Jose left, we had a very young guy who was 16, okay? Some people might know him. He's kind of famous. His name is Louis Ocampo. He was our yeah. keyboard player. Okay? Yeah. But I'm telling you, he's a really, really heavy cat. And he was the one who gave me this album. John Schofield. He says, man, if you, oh. if you like Chick Corea, this John Schofield live in Berlin, you listen to this stuff. And it totally told John Schofield is one of, probably one of my favorite guitar players in it totally changed my whole paradigm. It, I told myself, you know what? It's not about uh, whatever it is. It's not about Chick Corea. It's about John Schofield now. You know? The next album I'm going to pull out is so memorable for me because uh, I had been out of school maybe about two years already. I had just graduated. And my younger brother and two younger sisters were studying in San Francisco. And uh, we visited them. It was one of those Christmases that the, the family flew there. So I, I went, and uh, <clears throat> and he goes, yeah, you know what? Uh, it's Saturday night, okay? Uh, you want to borrow the keys to the car? You're free to go and, uh, you know, bring some of the cousins and uh, who live right beside them. And so I talked to some of my cousins, my elder cousins, and they, uh, we convinced one of them, okay, drive us to the city because we have tickets to this show, and we watch this band. Okay. Power of power. Man, you, this was a life-changing experience for me. We we went to this club, okay? That you couldn't buy tickets. There was no such thing as online tickets before. You had to go to the to the box office and, and make pila and buy your tickets. So the show was nine o'clock. But because I knew Tower of Power, I had been listening to them for four or five years already. In fact, I was trying to copy some of what, what the guitar player was doing. And so I, I, I knew their songs by heart. We made Pila for about three hours to get in, okay? So we get into the club, okay? And we were late because standing room only. The room was packed with about 500 people or 600 people, a, a room that was only good for 200. It was standing room only. And they were really, really, really killing it. I went up right on stage and I... I was amazed and totally, totally blown away by how tight they were, 
how yeah. powerful they sounded. I mean, from the get-go, I had goosebumps. All right. That that was a life-changing experience for me. After that, I started to listen to more, well, well older stuff. So this guy is actually my favorite piano player, Bill Evans. Bill Evans, yeah. My favorite album of his, this is a box collection. And uh, it's the complete Village Vanguard recordings from 1961. It's four discs. And it has um, his him and his trio. And it, it's, it's music for the soul. Okay. I can play it over and over and over again. Next album. My favorite guitar player of all time. West oh. Monroe. Okay. Uh, but these are early recordings from it's again it's a box set, yeah, from 1949 to 1950. Okay, Wes Montgomery had the gift of making complex songs and even pop songs make make them sound interesting. He made and he made the most complex chord changes sound simple and pleasing to the ear. Some musicians have the gift of playing intricate stuff. Well, Wes had the gift of playing intricate music, but making it simple for listeners to, to latch on to. I always like that. He always, when he plays, he's like Bill Evans. You know, he, he, he doesn't hit your intellect. He hits you with the gut. Yeah. yeah. Now, my, one of my favorite sax players, tenor sax player named Dexter Gordon, this album, our man in Paris with a great Bud Powell on piano. Fantastic. Dexter Gordon, you listen to him, he's always several milliseconds behind the beat, and it makes it so malankit and so funky and so soulful. Hard maybe that's why I like Schofield also. He plays behind the beat. Okay. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Another, you notice a lot of my favorites are, are not guitar players, they're piano players. I don't know why, but McCoy Tyner, piano player of a guy named John Coltrane, the John Coltrane Quartet. But this is his solo album, and he plays with, well, he plays with Lee Morgan, my favorite trumpet player, aside from Miles Davis. But a lot of people know my, uh, McCoy Tyner as somebody who plays with a powerful frenetic style. But if you listen to this, this, you can almost hear a pin drop. You know, wow. like Johnny was talking about dynamics. You know, yeah. this is so evocative and soulful. The, the, this one, I can't say enough good things about this thing. I wish I had discovered this thing. What, this was this, I think this was recorded in 1961. So I would have been, what, an embryo, yeah at that time so <laughs> we're getting to the end of it so a little patience no i'm My taking favorite. i'm taking notes man i'm taking notes i'm reviewing the show afterwards and i'm gonna i'm gonna look up all these artists and that, that's what i love about doing the show i get i get i get all these recommendations because if you guys listen to it and i love what you guys play then i should be listening to it <laughs> This is something that you know, my favorite trumpet player of all time, okay? Miles Davis, it's an album called Someday My Prince Will Come. And it's got my favorite players here. It's got John Coltrane. It's got Hank Mobley. It's got Winton Kelly, Paul Chambers, Jimmy Cobb. 
but he does all these nice tunes from this is a Broadway uh, musical, right, Johnny? Someday my prince will come. Yes, yeah. That, that's a, that's a musical. Someday my prince will come. Old folks, I thought about you, Theo. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. A lot of people know Miles for what he did in terms of changing music by melding different uh, styles and making it fusion. But the Miles that really hits me in the gut is the Miles. Yeah. Uh, Miles. Uh, Someday My Prince Will Come was from Snow White. Yes. Actually, actually, that album was a political statement because remember the reference to Snow White and he has a black woman, a beautiful black woman on the cover. So wow. the, the parody there and, and the uh, sarcasm. So it's yeah, a political yeah, copy of that, yeah. And this yeah. was in the sixty. And this was in the sixties. He was making so, so the civil rights movement was just starting. Yeah, you know, yeah. Went, or or basically in he full was swing. Doing it in a very subtle way, and uh, Miles was a very smart fellow. He's very intelligent, very wise man. Anyway, I'm so I'm going on to my last album. This is uh, last but not least, and uh, this is probably one of my. All of those are my favorites, but this one. Blue Train by John Coltrane. Yeah. Okay. Lee Morgan on trumpet, Curtis Fuller on trombone, John Coltrane, of course, on tenor sax, uh, the great Kenny Drew on piano, and Philly Joe Jones. This is a special album. It's 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 green vinyl, limited edition. I haven't even opened it, but you know, I have um, seven different copies from seven different pressings of this thing. And I've worn out all six. So this one is uh, staying in its jacket. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of folks like the frenetic and, and, and the, the fusion Coltrane. But the Coltrane I like is this Coltrane. Okay. Um the tunes that he did here, Blue Train is, is, a, is a great soulful blues. Moments notice. Uh, I used to play this song. In fact, I learned the solo of McCoy Tyner on this, of Kenny Drew on this thing. I, I actually transcribed it in the, on guitar and it, you know, I, I, I can't say I can play it properly, but uh, that's how much I love this tune, you know, and even uh, Lazy Bird, for example, is, is, is another tune that he did on this thing. And uh, I spent hours and hours and hours trying to copy this until I, I got an album of Pat Martino who did it. Uh, Pat Martino, the great jazz guitar player, who I had the great fortune of seeing in, in New York about five years ago before Wolana, he's he's sick now, so he can't perform anymore. But I heard him play all, all these tunes, you know, Lady, Lazy Bird, and uh, fantastic, fantastic. So that's my, you know, I I I, uh, I could have brought out, I could have pulled out a lot more albums that were um, uh, uh, more obscure than these. But these are close to my heart because if I was going to be marooned on a desert island. Uh, I, I would not take one album. I'd take all these. And I still have one more, but I'll, I'll wait for you to ask that question. <laughs> I, think, I, think it's, I think it's fantastic, Joey, because, I mean, we've gone from Led Zepp and Deep Purple Machine Head to John Coltrane. What a musical journey that... You know, now, 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 I feel like I understand you a little bit more as a guitar player, you know, as a musician, as an artist. 
because hearing hearing your influences and you know basically your journey in 10 albums is such a big deal because you know when we see when we see um, our favorite artists live even even back in the day where you know you find a band where you love you know that that, that you love and you listen to their albums you know incessantly and constantly and then you start researching on them and then you start you know i call it a time machine you start listening to the stuff they listen to and then you fall in love with that and then you listen to the stuff that these guys listen to and then you go back you keep on going back in time just to figure out how your favorite artist had arrived here and on that journey it it expands exponentially because you're listening to you know if if the doors listen to this artist and i'm listening to this artist what did these the guys listen to so all of a sudden you've got all these influences but the seed of one key artist and i love the fact that you started with led zeppelin now before we go to johnny's top 10 i want to throw you i want to show you guys three albums which i absolutely love um and i am of a different orientation because i'm a singer so i'm a vocalist so for me, the guitar riffs, I mean, for me, I love, I absolutely love Led Zepp, but they're not the ones that got me into rock and roll simply because I could not sing them. I could not sing any Led Zepp tunes because that's Robert Plant. That's yeah, I mean, I'm, that's, that's way too high. I would have to have way too much scotch to even attempt to sing that high. And what got me into rock and roll was The Doors. And um, out of uh, when we were chatting last night, uh, Johnny, um, when asked about my favorite, because I'm a Doors man through and through. I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday or even today, but I know absolutely all the songs of the Doors and all the lyrics to all their songs. I can sing all their songs. In fact, when when Periodico, the band of uh, Vin Dancel, did a Doors tribute night in 70s Bistro, um, I was asked to turn in um, three songs that I would like to sing. He invited me to sing, and I turned in three songs um, of The Doors, which I've always loved to sing live. And one of those, of course, was The End. When will you ever get a chance to sing The End with a regular band, right? Um, and since it was a Doors tribute night, we were great. And during rehearsals, I remember during rehearsals, um, Vin Dancel was like, Pare, Pare, I can't sing this. Can you sing this? Do you know it? Yes. Do you know this? Yes. Do you know this? Yes. Like, then he just gives me a look, and I'm like, yeah, I know all the fucking songs. I can sing all the fucking songs with the doors, right? But this <laughs> is my favorite album. Um, this is the Morrison Hotel album. Um, of course, I have all their albums, naturally, because I'm a big Doors fan. And, you know, I just love, I just love the way, you know, these albums just fold out. You don't get that on CDs. You don't get that on Spotify, man, you know? Um, but this particular album really hooked me because of the song Roadhouse Blues, which, um, you know, when I had these guys on cassette, that's the song I said, that's the song I can sing. I mean, there's Break On Through, there's Light My Fire, yes, but Roadhouse Blues is my song. Yep. That was actually the very first song that I, was, that I ever jammed with a band on stage. Uh, I got drunk one night in Fire and Rain, the bar of Eddie Rocha. And Eddie Rocha came up to me and he said, oh, Jamie, I heard you sing. You want to sing with the band? And the band was Coco Jam um, with Silla Rolly and June Lupito and uh, Silla Rico Vélez. You know, and Bosho was still on drums, right? And so I said, yeah, of course, I'm drunk now. I'm like, yeah, sure, you're daring me to sing. I'll sing. And I get up on stage and Rolly asks me, so what songs are we going to sing? What do you know? 
And I don't know. There, I mean, primarily when you first encounter Coco Jam, it's all Bob Marley stuff. It's all reggae, right? I, I didn't know shit about reggae. So I said, well, I know all the songs of the Doors. What do you want to do? And June Lupito started the intro of Roadhouse Blues. So that was my introduction to the very first time I played with a band live on stage. And that is the song, the opening song of this album, Roadhouse Blues. So I love, I absolutely love The Doors. When Johnny asked me last night what your favorite album The Doors was, and I'm like, oh my God, it's, I have to pick just one? It's hard, right? It's hard. It's hard. But, but this is the one because this translated to the feel, the power, the the sexuality of that um, that first time I ever went up on stage and I felt the power of rock and roll and I said, okay, I have this has to be in my life. I'm primarily a theater actor, but that was the moment when I jammed with Coco Jam and I sang Roadhouse Blues. That was the moment I decided, wait, I need rock and roll in my life, live rock and roll in my life. Now, the second album I, I want to show you is another you know, favorite band of mine, course is the Rolling Stones so as a vocalist right um, Mick Jagger is not as high as Robert Plant right you know but I just love <laughs> raw I just love the raw sexuality of it and the cleverness of, of their lyrics um, and this album this particular album when um, when I did uh, eventually some research because when you look at it, exile on Main Street exile on Main Street what the hell does that mean you know, uh, all these all these biographies weren't available to us yet. All these books weren't available to me yet. And I had just discovered them. And, you know, truth be told, I did not like the Rolling Stones when I first heard them. But because June Lupito, and I was playing with June Lupito in the Bodhisattvas um, in the 90s, June kept on busting out all these Stones tunes, which I had to learn. So I'm like, fine, okay, let's not learn these door songs. I'll learn these Rolling Stones songs. And eventually, there was one time when um, we were in Tagaytay, Johnny and uh, we were um, we were uh, adjusting our neural pathways um, in Tagaytay and uh, trying to uh, to connect to the universe um, a little bit more. And on acoustic guitar, we were in the Tagaytay, um, parang Highlands Park or something. It was a, it was a people's park in Tagaytay, and um, we were flying, flying. And he just he just started playing um, on his acoustic guitar. He brought his acoustic guitar out. He started playing Soul Survivor. Which is, you know, a big band tune, right? But you know, the when he distilled it into his acoustic guitar and started playing it, and um, you know, he started singing, and I started singing along with it because we had been listening to the album several times. I fell in love with the Rolling Stones, and as a vocalist, you know, that's you know between Jim Morrison and you know Mick Jagger, that's pretty much a lot of my influences. Now, this third album, and I'm only going to show three. I'm, gonna go sh I'm only going to show three, all right? Now, this album um, and this vocalist, this singer, was a huge influence on me, and I wish I could sing like her. Um, but it's the rawness of it, the rawness of her voice, the power of her voice, the emotion in her voice is something that is so powerful that was not present in you know, that I didn't find in, um, in either the Stones or the Doors. And that's, of course, Janis Joplin. And this is her Cheap Thrills um, album with uh, the Big Brother and the Holding Company. Now, we found the album. I love this album. It's got Summertime. It's got Peace of My Heart. But, you know, the, I love the cover because it's by R. Crumb. 
you know, the guy who made all those like dirty, dirty comics before. And I loved it because they had to fight for this album cover. And we found when me and Gold, uh, my, my wife, when we went to New York, um, we got lost, which is part of our itinerary. Whenever we travel, there we have a very set itinerary and there's like one or two hours where we deliberately get lost. And we got lost in the village in New York. And we encountered a um, a what it didn't look like a record store because it had all these weird ethnic instruments hanging from it. So we said, decide, okay, let's go inside anyway. And sure enough, he had a record section there, the owner who makes all these weird ethnic instruments. And um, he started chatting us up and asking us where we were from. And we were browsing through and I was having to choose, you know, which albums because we're on a limited budget. So which albums do we want to get? And I, when I found this and I pulled it out and he's like, oh, look, that's the first album you pull out. Do you know that I was part of the Big Brother and the holding company, you know, in the early days before they started recording their album? And so he started launching into all these stories about how it was working with the band, working with Janis Joplin, how he refused um, to, uh, to go the corporate way when they were signed by a record label. You know, this is one of the purest guys, you know. He said, no, I don't want to go that way. So he actually backed out of the band to make all these ethnic instruments, put up a record store, and become the repository. When I asked uh, about him, he was the repository of all these strange stories from this era. And uh, I said, well, I got to get this album because now I have a good story that comes along with it. And he said, you know what? For you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you $5 off, which is even better because he knocked off $5 off the price. And it's in great condition. It's a great album. But as a singer, um, I can't, of course, I, you hardly ever encounter anybody who can sing like her. But the raw emotion that Janis Joplin, who's on the back cover, right? The raw emotion that Janis Joplin um, sings with, and you know, if you watch videos of her, that's the kind of thing that has influenced me as uh, a musician or as a singer when I do it live. When we play music, um, I think our responsibility, like you said earlier, Joey, it has to hit you in the gut, and that's yeah. the raw. That's the raw emotion. That this woman sings in. You have you have the articulations, the poetic articulations of Morrison. You have the calculated moves of Jagger, but Joplin didn't give a shit what she looked like. She didn't give a shit what you know. Sometimes she was flat, sometimes she was sharp, but the emotion was true. And I think that's the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the moment, and that's what I've always strived for. As a as as a performer, as a musician, as a, as a singer, um, and of course, you know, when you're on your third set and you've had a lot of scotch or bourbon or you know beers, um, it's easier to get to. But the moment, the emotional moment, when you find that emotional moment on stage, um, when you're performing in front of people, it really feels like you know the room melts away, and you're just there in that moment with with everybody else on stage. And it's such a collective experience that when it translates to the audience, there's nothing else like it. So I miss playing live, Pare. I miss playing live. So those are the three albums I'm going to show. So do we. Great those albums. Are the, wow, fantastic. The three albums, the three albums I'm going to show. Um, because, you know, my collection pales to you guys. So now we're going to go to Johnny. Johnny, what do you have? Johnny, we're going to see your top ten, buddy. I don't know if they're ten, you know. Uh, yeah. 
my my listening habit is very collected, a uh, very eclectic. So, uh, I it has no flow. It, it's not from jazz to rock or rock to jazz. They're all mixed. So I'll, I'll just pick them out at random. Uh, but uh, you mentioned the Stones. So, um, are you familiar with this record? You know, you can see it. Yes. Yeah, can you put it there? We go. Yeah, man. This one, this one. I, I don't love that. I don't have that yet. Yeah. But I'm gonna get that. This is the first record with Ron Wood in it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have I have a complete set of all the records they made from start to here. Of of. I have all the records they made with Brian Jones, and I have all the records they made with Mick Taylor. I have everything, but uh, Mick Taylor quit, and 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 they were holding auditions. and And there are several guitar players here, but this is where they decided that they wanted uh, Ron Wood. Now, yeah, Mick uh, Taylor, Mick, Mick Taylor couldn't handle being part of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> No, no, well, no, no. He he couldn't handle the lifestyle anymore. It yeah. Was just, yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I wish I could focus this a little bit more. What am I gonna do? This one here. Oh, we can see it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we can sorry. see it. You can you see it? Yeah, we can see it. Uh, okay. Uh, anyway, there's a story to this uh, record because uh, we see your hand. <laughs> yeah, 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 there's a story to this record because of the design. It's it's uh it's a fold out. Yeah. It's a it's a gatefold, see, like that. See, it's a panorama of the band. See? And the, and the, that's uh let me see if I can show it to you properly. That's so rare that Jagger allowed his face to be just half. That's what I'm that's what I'm driving at. You see, because if you <laughs> open it. If you open it, yon gitna siya. <laughs> gitna siya. Uh, do, do you see it? Uh, let me yeah, see. We, yeah, yeah. I can see the, I can see it when you fold it out. You see there. Uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time focusing it, but it's okay. We can see it if you put it in front of your face. There yes, we go. He, yeah, you folds, it, yeah. He folds right that. Let's see, his his face is. I don't know. Uh, I'm 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 such an idiot when it comes to these things. Uh, there you go. Uh, well, anyway. Uh, there, there. I'm showing yeah. it properly. I think. Anyway, his his face is half. Do you see it? Yes. There. Uh, his his. His eye is right on the on the spine. Yeah. His eye is right on the spine. See there? So there you go. Uh it's it's and and uh actually Paul McCartney is coming out with a book and he's it's two volumes and and uh there's uh there's a like uh what you call it? Uh there's a slider, there's a there's a word for it. Uh, two books together like that, and mm -hmm. and one half of the face is here, and the other half of the face is here. Ah. And when you put them together, you see the face. You see the complete face, right? 
So it's, it's a rock and roll concept. So anyway, uh, back in the day, I, I, I wanted to, I, I created, I produced a, a Pinoy rock album called The Best of Pinoy Rock. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a double album. So I, uh, I, I packaged it similar to Black and Blue, which is that Rolling Stones record. And I put one of the guys in the middle, same concept. I imitated it. I'm not going to show the, the face of the guy who was, whose face I divided between front and back. But I got a lot of hell for it. <laughs> because he said that I desecrated his face by splitting his face. I said, man, that's rock and roll. Dude, Mick Jagger said, did it. Mick Jagger did it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so anyway. Johnny, I need I need a copy of that record, man. I need a copy. Hey, Johnny, of I think this, I this think, is probably uh, the rarest. This is probably the rarest rock Pinoy rock album. I know, is. dude. I had it on cassette, pare. I had it on cassette. I've Johnny, never been able to find it. This is a double album. This is a gatefold. Yeah. Oh, my I volume one. My... I think you played uh, on that album, Joey. Yeah, yeah. Um, in in some, didn't you put some of Pop's Daddy Bus there? Yeah, you you play in one track with Pops da, with Pops Daddy Bus. Yep. Yeah. Govinda. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now yeah, I need an yeah. album even more. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's got it's got like uh Wally Pepe with his own, you know, Summer Wind. I was the one I was the one who released Summer Wind and 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 uh, Dr. Quack. I did Anak not Bayan, know that. Bapanis I did Nakuak, not know that. I was the one who released it. I, I don't really get much credit for it, but I was the one responsible for releasing it. Maria Kafra, it's 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 Resty's birthday today, by the way. That's right. That's I, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I released uh, Cool Kalang Pares here, Palaran, uh, Pangako. Uh, well, of course, Mike with Lucky Salaya. I got some Pagita here. You know, yeah. Mandela Cruz also, of course. You know, and uh, a couple of other artists. But but the guy you know you know the, you know Johnny that that cassette of, that cassette was released volume one volume two yeah and that was my introduction to Pinoy rock because oh, really? when I when I was jamming with June Lupito in the nineties I started meeting yeah. you know his friends so that's Pepe Smith and I had no idea who the fuck these guys were yeah. I was just jamming. I was just jamming with them, and then finally the I got a copy uh, of Volume One, Volume uh, Pepe, Pepe and I actually helped me a lot putting this record together. I was going to his house in in Camuning, you know, and I met his grandma and all of that, and shared a lot of photos with me. And uh, Pepe and I were actually close. And I, I don't advertise these things. I don't talk about these things. But but we were. I I, I met him when I was nineteen or twenty years old, when when he was still like. He wasn't even in Juan de la Cruz yet. He just came back from Japan uh, playing with Speed Blue and Shinky. Uh, so, you know, I, I was just like a like a Forrest Gump. I was just in the right place at the right time with the right people. You know, anyway, so that, that was my uh, Pinoy rock adventure. But I, I had to bring out this Rolling Stones record because I, I experimented with the half phase. And, uh, it was a very successful album, but I got some flack for it because <laughs> I divided some well he's not a rocker anymore he's a lounge artist so so never mind 
Okay, now anyway, now now, uh, I'm gonna, now I'm gonna research on that on that gatefold and I'm gonna find I out whose face whose face you didn't want to show. Yeah. And look, uh there was a time in the 70s. Well, I think Paul McCartney started it. Uh he after he broke up, uh, you know, after the Beatles uh broke up, he released an album where uh he played all the instruments. And you know, of course, uh, he, he got criticized for that because parang swapang mo naman, you know, lahat naman ng instrumento tinugtog mo, you can get other people to play with you. It's like an ego trip, no? But anyway, uh, there were there were other people who followed suit, uh, suit, uh, uh, and one of those was uh, this this guy. Uh, I don't know if you, you recognize. He is called Intervisions. Oh yeah, Stevie Wonder. Intervision. Yeah. I have, I have. This is one. Of, this is my, perhaps my favorite Stevie Wonder album. I have so many copies of this record, pressings, different pressings. I have so many of them because they, each one is different. They sound different depending on who the mix or mastering engineer is. You know. Yeah. And uh, you know, no, I wasn't really into the early Stevie Wonder with all that uh, fingertips and uh, baby. Yeah. But but when he did this, my goodness, he was different. And then he followed it up with this particular record. It's called yeah. Talking Book. I don't know if you're familiar with this one. Jeff Beck plays with him here. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and this was early on. This was right early, early, early on. Uh when when after the Jeff Beck group split up and he was on the verge of forming uh, Beck Bogart and a piece. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And uh, he, Stevie Wonder was on the road. This was before he started doing the, you know, the commercial stuff. But there, there was this particular period where, where, where Stevie Wonder was really very, very progressive. And he was hanging out with people like Ernie Hancock and things like that. You know? and, and the culmination of that is this particular record. Uh, it's called... Uh, you know, songs in the key of life. Yes, yes, that is. Which is a hit. That's you know, in fact, I love this record so much. I have, That's the big I have one. Several, I have several copies of this record. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, yeah. That that was my Stevie Wonder, and you know, I mean, I love the guy because a lot of today's music comes from Stevie Wonder. All of those chords. Uh, you know, you, you, you listen to Jay Durias, and you listen to the stuff that all those beautiful chords that he plays, that's all Stevie Wonder, you know. Uh, it, all, all of these, uh, uh, all of the new, all of the new jazz and all the, all, all these uh, new soul stuff that you hear, that's all Stevie Wonder, that all came from Stevie Wonder. Yeah. He, he, was, he invented, he invented this stuff. So anyway, yeah, okay, so uh, that's, that's it for Stevie Wonder. Uh, uh, you know, Joey was talking about a lot of jazz. And uh, for me, this particular record changed the face of jazz. It's called that's, Giant Steps. I have two copies. One is mono and one is stereo. And uh, it's Coltrane. Yeah, yeah, this one's called Giant Steps. Uh, you you know initially when I started listening to Coltrane, you know I was I I I was 
enchanted by uh, a love supreme. A supreme, supreme, a love supreme. Supreme, yeah. Supreme, a love. You know, that, 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 uh, that uh, very modal kind that he takes off, you know. Uh, this one is more like frenetic. It's very intellectual. It's not so much feeling. It's very intellectual. But the the the, the inventions that he created with this particular album resonates until today. There will be no Michael Brecker. There will be no uh, Dewey Redmond. There will be no you know hundreds of sax saxophonists. Oh, what they do with their instruments from this particular album. Uh, uh, it, it, it's very interesting because uh, when when Coltrane recorded this record, they used two uh, they used two uh, tape recorders simultaneously. Mm. So one was recording him live stereo, and one was recording him live mono. And it's wow. different because uh, if it's mono, he you really hear him at the center. Yeah. And 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 uh, the instruments are on the side, left and right. But if you hear him uh, on stereo, he's panned to one side and you can hear the other instruments more. So it depends what you want to listen to. So I decided I wanted to get both. Um, <laughs> yeah, you go to Amazon, you can't find these uh, variants anymore. Uh, you'll probably have to wait for the next one. And then since I mentioned uh, John Coltrane, maybe I should mention Miles Davis. Uh, these two albums are the same with two different covers. Okay. They came out simultaneously. I have no idea why they came out with two variant covers. Uh, this is called a tribute to Jack Johnson. This is Jack Johnson, Miles. And, and this particular pose of Miles is very, very iconic. Eventually, yeah. eventually became his, uh, like, uh, what you call it? His, his emblem, you know? Yeah. Uh, it became his uh, trademark. And, and this is the other one. I think this is the soundtrack version. And this is the uh, album version. Exactly the same record with John McLaughlin, uh, Herbie Hancock. You know, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I, I used to subscribe to the, uh, the, to the Miles Davis forums. And, and for a fact, everybody says that this is, without any doubt, Miles Davis at the peak of his powers. Uh, nothing compares to the performance that he did here because the, the range, the, the dynamics, the, the, the power, the sheer power that he did here. And uh, it, it, it's amazing. This is an amazing record. If, if, if you can find a copy of this record, grab it because it's really like, and it's not the, the usual jazz. This is, this is really in your face. This is this is almost like a rock record, but it's jazz. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah, it, it, I, I used to listen to this and fall asleep and wake up and and listen to it again, and I used to listen to it all the time, and it it, it just became a part of my consciousness. Okay, now uh, Pat Metheny. Everybody likes Pat Metheny one way or another. Uh, because uh, he 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 brought country western to jazz. He he was a country western boy. He came from Missouri, you know. I mean, from the and uh, I don't know. He 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 became a jazz musician. He, he ended up playing with Gary Burton and 
And then he ended up in Germany doing records with for ECM Records in Germany. And he did a lot of very, very popular records in Germany. And and, and many of those records are still around. Uh, they have been reissued time and again. But several years later, he jumped ship. He, he wasn't recording in Germany anymore. He went back to America. And he started recording for Geffen. Wow. But unfortunately, when he jumped ship, it was already the beginning of the compact disc, the CD revolu revolution, which which unseated the popularity of vinyl for a very, very long time. So many of the records that he made for Geffen are either out of print or were never made. There were, there were no vinyl, there were no vinyl releases except these two. And wow. they're both out of print. And uh, this one's called uh, Still Life Talking and Question and Answer. And I think for the money, for my money, I think th these are the rarest Pat Metini LPs ever made. Uh, it, it, it's it's going to be next to impossible to find this. In, in, in You can probably go to eBay, but even in eBay, I check time and again, it's, it's not available. It, it, I, I, I belong to the uh, Pat Metini discussion group. I, I keep saying, why, why doesn't why doesn't it get reissued? Uh, it, it never. Yeah, happened. issue issue it on vinyl, man. Issue it, reissue it, please. There's a yeah, whole yeah, new yeah. generation that needs here, to discover here. this. But but uh, these are some amazing, amazing records. Amazing records. Uh, yeah, still life talking and question and answer. Uh, and uh, this was the time when he was stepping out of pure jazz and he was getting into world music. Mm. So, so like his musicians included a Vietnamese guy, you know, Brazilian guy. It was it was already an international approach to, to doing what he was doing. He, he came from a pure jazz background. In fact, he was very heavily influenced by West Montgomery. But later on, he started getting into world music, and uh, he was experimenting with different kinds of tonalities and different kinds of instruments. It's very very interesting. Okay, now uh, going back in time, you know, there's this guy who used to play with a group called Buffalo Springfield. Mm -hmm. Guys, it's never been easier to make a podcast. All you got to do is look for a great app called Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast on your computer or straight from your phone. All the creation tools you need in one place, plus an idiot-proof interface. Man, you can create, publish, and distribute whatever you want to say. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started. Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Smooth like butter, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Buffalo Springfield uh, broke up, and he made a couple of records. And uh, this one's called Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere. Neil Young, yeah. baby, Neil Young. Yeah. And, and, and this is his uh, self-titled album. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then uh, he uh, he joined Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and everybody knows that group. So, and everybody knows their songs. So. I've actually never, I've actually never listened to Neil Young's early solo stuff. It was always oh, his yeah, late very, very interesting stuff. because it's just him and his guitar. It's just these are just like 
but but you can hear the the folk rock. Uh, yeah. You you know what 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 makes Neil Young very interesting is his chords. His chords are are his his progressions are not cliche. Very 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 inventive. Uh, his it's not cliche. I mean, you you listen to him and you figure out what he's doing. It's amazing. Uh, and then uh, of course Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young uh, split up. Right, and then he made this record. Yo, and after yeah. the gold rush, you make the, yeah, yeah, and, uh, that's what this yeah. record. Yeah, is. from Jose Antonio Sarte, Pat Metheny for the win, and ECM pressings are damn good. Hi, yeah. boy, Rene, Rivo, Idol. Oh, yeah, and he also says, oh, he also says, Johnny and Joey in one place. I am in awe once again. Yeah, but can you imagine, guys, once live music comes back, can we have a gig with the both of you on stage? I think my head would explode. Yeah, we should have Johnny come up and jam with the Blue Rats. <laughs> yes, please. I would love That's to. I'll sing anything. And, yeah, and you know what? Be. If you're going to do an instrumental, I don't want to sing. I'll just, I'll just order drinks for you guys at the bar and send it over to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Ayun, Harvest, Ayun. Yeah. And then after Harvest, this, Neil uh, Young. he was a certified superstar. After this, yeah, the, yeah, uh, these, true. These, uh, that was the breakup. Uh, that, that was yeah, the breakout Empire. album. I, I'm amazed, uh, Jamie. You recognize the covers. Uh, you you recognize them. You you are you are uh, you are so aware. Now, anyway, look. Let's go back to my early days. I mean, this is stuff my parents listened to. Oh, Bossa yes. Nova uh, gets Gilberto. Both, mo- uh, both of them are my favorites, actually. Stan gets in the. Actually, so wow, not 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 as true. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. Uh, this is a beautiful record because uh, this was when um, Brazilian music went. The whole nine yards with jazz. Uh, it, it was. It, it became. It started to become indistinguishable. Uh, you know, bossa nova and jazz became so so closely tied together that it was. I mean, and again, it wasn't cliche. And it was followed up by this uh, this number two. Number two. Where in one side was with uh, Gar- was with Gary Burton and. And which which leads to if you follow the genealogy, it goes to Pat McKinney. So and then the other side is a solo Joao Gilberto. And I have a very mm-hmm. rare one because they had a reunion uh, a couple of decades later. And uh, this is uh, Gats Gilberto number three. And uh, this is a limited edition of only one thousand copies. Wow! Uh, but I was I was lucky enough to, to to find someone who didn't understand it and. I was able to buy it, and it's mint condition, mint condition, and it's really amazing. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah don't yeah. you love it? Don't you love it when you when you encounter moments like that when you're collecting? You're like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he has. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm gonna get this. <laughs> I, or I he's gonna sell it for cheap plunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah so he doesn't. He, he doesn't realize he what he has. It. It. So I said, wow, this is. And 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 you you go to Discogs and it's selling for maybe nine hundred dollars. Amazing. So I mean, okay, sure. If you don't like it, I'll take it. And it was practically unplayed. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
one man's trash is the next man's treasure. Yeah. Right there, right? Right there. Okay. This is, this is, I don't know. I, maybe I'm talking too long already. This is a, a, a record by Monk's Time. This is called Monk's The Monk's Dream. Dream, which was the the club where we used to play in, used to be, was named yes. after the record. I've been to Monk's Dream. Monk's, yeah. So it's Monk's a record. Dream. This, is, uh, this is the record. Monk's Dream. This is the record. Yeah, it's a record. Uh, it's, it's actually a record. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Monk Monk is a very unusual player because he he's not the cliche. You know, uh, you you would probably even think he's not a really good pianist because he's making all of these weird weird chords that you think he's making mistakes, but but he's doing them so intentionally. But it's just so so different the way he was just so unusual. Uh, there was an anecdote from Chick Corea. I, I, I listened to one of his podcasts. And uh, he, he opened for Chick. I mean, a Chick opened for, for, for Monk. And, uh, and when it was Monk's turn, Chick stayed the whole time behind the curtain, peeping at the fingers of Monk and trying to figure out at close range what this man was doing, you know, and he picked up a lot of the stuff. And it's one of uh, Chick's uh, most enlightening anecdotes, how, how he how he was doing a lot of the stuff that Monk was doing, all those chords that he was doing. Uh, Monk, Monk kind of had some uh, mental problems towards the end. He, he would, you know, he, he, he started losing his memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, nothing weird, but he started losing his memory and then finally he got it. But, but he was just amazing. And even John Coltrane uh, uh, said that he learned as much from Monk as he did from Miles. Uh, Monk, Monk is uh, one of those uh, underappreciated. Many, many pianists don't really listen to Monk, but hey, Monk is an amazing pianist and an amazing composer. I can I can talk about a whole lot more, but I might be taking too much time. So. <laughs> no, Maybe you were no. you were saying something about um, earlier about um, being in the moment and uh, on a performance level per se. All three of us here are, are performers. In fact, we at, at various times or another, we either play with one another up to today, yeah, uh, in various groups or in various settings. Johnny and I play together in in some projects, which. We have released some material on vinyl recently. That's a copy of it. Can you okay. reserve me one, Joey? Can you please reserve me one? Do you have another one? This is yours. Oh, I love okay. it. Yes. Oh. And this is on uh, on red vinyl. Okay. Um, um, uh, Joey, Joey Salgado is saying I am enjoying this immensely. Yeah, man, me too. I'm barely talking because I'm just listening to these two masters. Talk about their deep love and deep appreciation for music, and it's it just blows my mind, Barry. Jamie, you were saying something earlier about uh, the performance level and, and being in the moment, and uh, it being when everybody locks in on stage. You, you know, when I when I was a, a lot younger, and I, I I was just a groupie, I was just a fan. I would tag along with my sister, and I would watch bands like Red Fox. And the dinosaurs and stuff like that in parties because I was too young to go to parties, but I would tag along with my eldest sister, whose best friend 
was the wife of a guy named Rene Garcia. He was the hot, the, the, the guitar player, not of Hot Dog, but of a band called the Red Fox. They wow. did all Stones and Doors. Okay. Wow. They were they were a the Red Fox band. Hot Dog. Okay. Now, <laughs> my story about Red them is Fox Hot Dog. Yeah. At that time, every time I used to watch a band live, you you watch them. They, they used to be parties wherein the entertainment before was interspersed with vinyl records, mm-hmm. and there would be a live band. Okay, during the breaks. But anyway, when I when I would watch these bands and and, and I watch them up close in parties in Wak Wak or in Leon Ginto, for example, you know it, it was always like, uh, parang you're you're outside looking in and and there's the, like this halo all over the band, and yeah. they look so cool doing it, and you're you're like thinking, man, this is the greatest thing in the world. That's what I want to do. Okay. Exactly. And, and exactly. Everybody's everybody's attention is transfixed on what's happening. Every little nuance. The guitar player lights a cigarette, puts it on his guitar, and everybody's looking at the ash of his guitar. And then the the <laughs> yeah. the, the, the vocalist, you know, uh, twirls the mic around. And then then uh, you know what I mean. You're look you're like a yo-yo watching all this thing happening. And I always thought, my gosh. There's this, there's this spirit and aura and 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 vibe around it. And when I finally myself got good enough to play in a band, you know what I I realized? The first few times that I started to play live with a band, first I was scared shitless. I'm yeah. scared. But yeah. then you get to enjoy the moment and be scared is part of what makes it exciting because you don't yeah. really know what's going to happen. Okay, exactly. so it's it's like performance art. You 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 kind of know what you're going to do. There's 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 a script in, in the sense that you 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 have songs, but sometimes the singer would do this and do that, and the, the song would go somewhere, and, and it may be so, so interesting. You know what I found out? I don't know if this happened to you guys, but I was asking myself, man, where did where did the aura go? Parang it was so much cooler watching other people. Than, than me playing it, okay? <laughs> and, you know, the very first time that I had a light bulb moment on a performance level, we were doing this song with Mother Earth. And we had some drinks, etc. We, we Some people had some uh, mind-expanding things. And we kind of got lost in, in, in the song. We knew, we knew what song we were playing, but kind of like we got lost in the sequence. And it yeah. just went on for something like 45 minutes, you know, we were doing this song, and you know what? Uh, at one point, I looked around, and I, I realized, you know what? None of the other guys are looking at me because they're so wrapped up in the moment. In what they're doing, so yeah. I, 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 I tuned out again, and I just got lost in the moment. And when we stopped playing, the audience was hushed. Everybody in the room was so quiet. You could hear a pin drop. And then... After about two minutes, we thought, "My gosh, we pissed everybody off," you know. But nobody was 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 nobody was even drinking, and they <laughs> started to laugh and 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 started to dance in their seats, you know. Right after we played, and then they started to you know, it became like one whole big party. And yeah. you know what I realized after when we talked to each other? And said, Man, what just happened there? You know what? That's the very first time that the aura came back 
And you know what it was for me? It was getting lost in the moment. That's what you said. You were saying something about that. There's something magical about performers or musicians going for it, not caring what they're doing, just letting it all hang out. Yes. And if they're lost in the music, the audience gets lost with them too. Yes. On the journey, and the journey takes several twists and turns. You know, it, it's the unpredictability and the spontaneity and the, 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 the creativity of the moment, okay? That, to me, is what it's all about. That's what keeps me. I think that's what keeps you and you, yeah. John. That's why we keep on doing this thing. And that's why when we listen to these musicians getting lost in their music on vinyl or in the medium, it's such a it's a spiritual experience actually. I agree. It's the closest thing to prayer. Yes. You know what I mean? When you come out of a good service or a good sharing experience with somebody, it doesn't have to be religious. But you know, there's something cleansing about it. You know, when I listen to Bill Evans, you know, I am cleansed at the end of that record, you know. I'm ready to go to my bed and say to my wife, bring on the Netflix. I can watch it now because I've had my fix of Bill Evans. You know what I mean? So anyway. I think I think the magic of the moment or getting lost in the moment is when the moment is bigger than you are. When you get lost in that moment and it's bigger than what the guitar player is doing, what the bass player is doing, what the vocalist is doing, what the drummer is doing. When the moment is bigger than you are, than your individual job on stage in a band because we all have our jobs right um once it becomes bigger than you are and you lose yourself in that moment and the moment takes over i mean i believe that we're all just vessels eh? yep. you know we're we're tuning into some sort of frequency and we're translating it into something that is tangible and physical and understandable in this realm right but when you get lost in that moment, it, 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 you're right, Joey. There, there's, not, there's no other word to say it, to describe it, as other than spiritual. Because yep. you're connecting to that higher power, whether that higher power, whatever name you choose to call it, um, but that higher power that is within you and the collective sense of the band losing itself. I mean, you have, you have you know, like four or five individuals on stage all from very diverse and different backgrounds, different personalities, different temperaments. And when you surrender your personality and yourself to that moment and you let the moment take over, that's the magic, pare. And then how many times has this happened to us? Na parang, nung, nung nagkita-kita tayo sa ending, oh, so nag-ending yung song, yung tinginan ka lang sa, to, to each other, when you're looking at each other, you're like, what the fuck just happened? That was amazing. Yeah. You know and when it happens. Yeah, you know. and that, that I live for that. I live for that. And you're also right when you're saying when you lose yourself in the moment and the band loses themselves into that moment, it's inevitable that the audience gets taken along. The people who are watching, it's taken along. And that halo is not just shining on the band. It's shining on the audience as well because we're all surrendering, surrendering ourselves to that moment. And that's, well, why we gotta, that's why we got to go back and play live, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, what can I say? Uh, uh, we haven't all uh, gigged, except you, uh, Jamie. You've had the good fortune of playing a couple of acoustic gigs. But uh, 
you know, part of what makes uh, live gigs uh, interesting uh, is also the the interactivity with the audience. You know, when yeah. you you could be playing the, the energy, you could be playing the most uh, intricate and, and, and the greatest sounding stuff, but uh, if the audience is not with you, then you're just it, it's a wank. You know, yeah. it's, you're wanking to yourself. You know, self indulgence, and uh, to a certain extent, that's good. But you know what? Uh, if 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 people are not going to be responsive to what I'm doing on stage, I'd rather just stay in this room. And you know, I have my Vox amp here, my guitar collection, and my vinyl collection. I'd rather just stay here and listen to this. You know, I I, I don't want to lock my stuff up to to a place and and they, you know, like they don't appreciate it. Yeah, but it, but it's also that also comes with like you know when you've had experience playing in bands and playing live with the audience, you learn how to read the audience. Yep. And that's why, you know, in, in all our gigs, there, there are some, like, you know, we come on and we have a set list, right? And there are just some moments within the set list that parang, no, I'm going to change the order. I think we should put in this song now. This, so, this The audience is ready for this song. So you change the order of what you're going to play because you're reading the audience. Eh? Right. The audience right. is the, the fifth member of that band. Without them, you're right. We're just wanking. No, it's, just, it's pointless, you know. I'd, yeah. I'd rather just listen to to vinyl, <laughs> to good vinyl, to good vinyl. What do you What do you think, Johnny? Yeah, what do you think, Johnny? You you have moments yeah. like those. You know, dapat hindi ka palang tumutugtog. The audience has already connected with you. Uh, when I step on stage, I I look at the audience and. I already start my communication right there. I haven't even played a note yet. Um, so by the time I play my first note, I've already connected. I, I make it a policy to, to connect with the audience first. Feel the audience, get the vibe, feel the room, get yeah, the Yeah, feel the room. Yeah, and then play. Play. That's why I and, love and, I love I love showing up early because then you know I'm having drinks with you know with some friends who have come by and then I'm you know I, I talk to strangers, people I don't know in the audience even before I come up because parang, you know you're reading the room, you're getting a feel for the room and what these guys get, get want. The room, do these get, guys you know each room they, is different and, and different. the way you play and how loud you play and how fast you play and the dynamics that you play. It all depends on the room, and each room yeah. is different. Yeah, it's yeah, and, and 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 it also depends on how many people are in the room because the sound changes yeah. depending yeah. on how many. The whole acoustics changes, and you've got to get an appreciation of that particular moment, and that's when it happens. That's when the energy and the magic happens. I'll and tell you my, something. Mm, I'll tell you something about that. You know, if you we're, we're both guitar players, Johnny, and this is I say this in jest, no? but there, there's a lot of truth in this actually. If you want the your 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 guitar notes, your picked notes, your melodies to connect with the audience from the very first note, every single night, you need to get a Vox amplifier. <laughs> <laughs> there right. you go. If you get a Vox amplifier, I guarantee you, you're just wheeling that thing on stage. Nakikita pa lang nila yung Vox insignia. They're gonna go, oh my gosh. Diba? Huwag na natin kunin yung cheat natin. Mamaya na. Diba? Maka-inalist na niya yung amp niya. 
laglag panty na pag nakita yung Vox amp. Oh, sigurado yun. Sigurado yun. <laughs> oh. But that's what I love. I love about, you know, uh, performing live. And that that's one thing that, you know, um, during this pandemic, we've, we've more or less um, really missed. Because, like, how many gigs have we had na parang, you know, not that I'm dissing the, these gigs, but I love the gigs where konti lang yung tao because it gives you a freedom also to, oh, let's experiment. Let's do what we want to do. Wala masyadong tao eh. Yung mga third set na yung stragglers na lang, yun. Doon ilalabas natin yung, yun ang masarap kasi mag-experiment lang tayo, di ba? But oh. I think this pandemic has taught us that, you know, these things were precious. Where you can't say anymore na, oh, I'm not gonna watch this band, I can catch them next week. Wala lang ganun eh. Because this, this, this pandemic has changed the entire dynamic of how we appreciate not only social gatherings, but live music. And um, I, for one, um, I am guilty of saying, ah, no, I'll catch them next week. Oh, no, I'm going to phone it in because I'm not feeling well and all that. You know, having the live gigs taken away because of this pandemic has made me promise myself that any invite I get, even if it's just for a cup of coffee, I'm fucking going. Because, you know, we've we've been stuck at home for more than a year. I'll tell you what has saved me during this pandemic. And our good friend, our, uh, Johnny and I, and, and, and good friends with our guru, actually, uh, Rene Rivo, said it so appropriately. Thank God for vinyl, which saved us during this pandemic. You know, without it, my gosh, I'd I'd be I'd be going bananas without 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 <laughs> without my collection. Every penny that I've spent for my collection is is a penny uh, well well earned and and well well invested because the countless number of hours that I've had this pandemic to to rediscover stuff, even stuff that I used to listen to before, yeah. when I turned it on again, I hit I heard different nuances in the music. You know, like, the, I remember that that uh, stuff by Lee Morgans, that Blue Train. I've had that for, for, for decades. You know, I, I'm so familiar with it. I copied Moments Notice, but when I listen to it again, I go, oh, my gosh. There's a reason why these guys are monsters. Because you hear the nuances that you didn't hear before because of the well, fidelity. You know, what, because what of else? the sound. The sound is so much more revealing and and that's the beauty of of vinyl that's the beauty of analog because you can actually hear all of the little granular details that it's so hard to differentiate if you listen to a a tiny little speaker it's you know uh it's different eh? i mean uh, that that is why i think this hobby is really so nice yeah it's the ritual it's the ritual about As I said earlier, when you have a CD or when you have downloaded music, you can fast forward to, okay, I, I listen to this song from this album, from this artist, then I want to listen to that one. So so your listening experience is like spaghetti, right? Yes. It's all over Agreed. the place, like a jigsaw puzzle. And yeah. mind you, that is enjoyable. That is enjoyable, okay? And then But plus the visual, you know? I, I'm old like, school. Uh, no, you this know, is like, a yellow brick road, you know? I, right. You know, But you, you know, you open the cover and it's a, it's a panorama. You know, like wow, you know, look at that. You know, well, you, you get you get that also from CDs, okay? 
but the the, the thing with with CDs is that it's so small. Okay? It's such a hassle, and you know, with 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 vinyl, if they're gatefolds, you know, you, you you fold it out and then you read it. It's like you're reading a book. With with, yes. with CD, you're 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 looking at a Bible that's that big. Okay, I mean, you know, the Word of God is there, but my gosh, um, uh, listening to vinyl has brought back so many memories for me because my experience before when I would listen to vinyl was not skipping songs. Sometimes we would do when we're trying to copy the guitar. Oh, but when yeah. I get an album, when we were in high school, our idea of a good time, you know what our idea, our idea of a good time was? It's, not, it's different from what kids do nowadays. Kids nowadays go, let's go hang around in, in Poblacion or somewhere and, and you know, have a good time with chicks and get wasted. But all right, <laughs> a good time before, okay? Our, our idea of what a good time was before when we were in high school was, hey, you know, let's go to that guy's house, bring some beers, because his mom just came back from the States and brought back the latest album of all. So we'd go over, to, and that would be our evening. We yeah. go there and we'd listen. Yeah. We let's let's know the, the gate fold and you know, like we'd pass it around and we we listen to it. But but Joey, don't forget also, I mean back then we, we with the vinyls, you know, when you, you would be out in a bar and you'd meet a girl you're interested in. You'd be like, hey, you want to come back to my house and listen to Dark Side of the Moon? <laughs> May ganon eh. Diba? Let's go home and listen to an album. My now, lips nobody, sealed. Nobody, nobody has that, that, that sensibility anymore of like, oh, I can listen to my album on my phone. We can listen to it right now. Hindi Iba yung ritual nga na linalabas mo yung plaka sa sleeve. Tapos, you know, you put, you put, you put the arm down. And then, let's not forget that, that beautiful breather that they give you between side A and side B. Yeah. You know, when you have to get up and flip the record, it gives you a breather. Oh, that's banyo time. Or that's, oh, wow. Let me absorb that first side of the album first as you're flipping to the next one. That's also a thing that, that, that's not around now because now everything's at our fingertips. It's on our phone. So making a call is the same process as listening to an album, which does not exist with vinyl because with vinyl, you had to give it your energy, your attention. So you had to, to dim the lights. Yeah, you make time for it. You dim the lights, you light a candle, and you're listening <laughs> to an album. You know, you're listening to an album. And that's the most amazing thing because you're giving the time and the energy to actually sitting down and just listening to an album, not, not having it on, on, on the background. You know what I mean? It's not, it, was, it wasn't background. It was an event on its own. When a new album yeah. would come out, you're like, Pooch, ha, we have to play this. You'd call all your friends, you come to the house. Kung ikaw lang yung meron ng album na yun, okay, we're going to play this. It yeah. was a, a sacrament almost, di ba? So yeah, going, so going, it, it's a production. It's, it's a whole yeah. production and there's, a, there's so much reverence for it. You know, you, you have, yes. as you said, you have to make time for it. You have to put it out of its sleeve. You have to put it down there. And then you have to get pissed because you realize, oh, oh the, the record is not clean. Now I have to clean it. Or, I have to clean it. My needle is, uh, you know, I have to brush it, etc. So, but I mean, that's the enjoyable part of it, you know. It's the sometimes, but you know, what would, what would music be without without these little kinks, you know? Okay, so now that we're discussing vinyls and and our, we're we're back from performance to our to our uh, vinyls, um, I'm gonna go into the rundown. 
where I'm going to be asking you guys three questions, very three three simple questions, and um, answering it from the top of your head. Um, what's the first answer that comes into your head? Um, let's start with Johnny. Johnny, what is your holy grail, LP? The almost impossible dream record you want to get your hands on. And this Would is a very, di- very difficult question to ask for? because, you know, these guys are major collectors. So you, you already might have your Holy Grail album. But what would that be? You know, that depends. Is it something that I already have or something that I'm still looking for? Something that you're still looking for. Because you know what? The shout out, you never know who's watching. Somebody might oh. have it and somebody might want to give it to you. So what album that you don't have that you want to get your hands on? It's called Secret Story by Pat Metheny. Ooh. And you don't have this. You don't have it in your collection. I don't collection. have it. I don't even know if it exists. I know it's on CD. I don't know if it's on vinyl. So, yeah. That's tough to find. Ikaw, Joey, ano yung Holy Grail mo? You know what? Uh, if I had to choose one album that I can play 24 hours every day, Every single goddamn day. It would be an album of Bill Evans that he recorded in 1974. It's called, it's just him and, and his bass player, Eddie Gomez. And he plays some acoustic piano, but he plays Fender Rhodes on it. Mm. They do all these tunes. It's called uh, Intuition. Intuition. It was released locally. It was released locally, and I remember Butch Saulog and, and a couple of other guys who have massive collections. Okay, when we were talking about that, he was saying, "Yeah, you, you copy intuition. It's also random, so local also." No, so I was able to get a copy of it from 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 this record store, from this guy's personal collection. He was the owner of the record store, but it's a Japanese pressing. I would like to get the U.S. pressing of it. Ah. Because the sound supposedly is, is so much better. I mean, I mean, the performance is really what I'm after. Because it's when I listen to records, it's 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 maybe ninety percent of what what I what I what I look for at records is the performance. You know, I look yeah. beyond the the sonic. Uh, you know, the not that I don't enjoy the sonic uh, um, uh, quality. Manufacturing, yeah, the quality. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the fidelity. I like this. I like that. But having said that, you know, it, it given a choice between how good it sounds and how good the music is, any day, man, I'll the take music. something that's that's. A, yeah. Um, uh, in fact, that's why most of uh, what I have, most of what I really like to listen to, are the 1950s and 19 early 1960s jazz, uh, done by recorded by a guy named Rudy Van Gelder. Fantastic sound engineer, and he used to record it in his in his in his house, uh, upstate New York. You know, the mid the 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 the, the, the great room of his house he converted into a recording studio, and um, yeah, but that that's my desert island, a U.S. pressing, a, a, a near mint copy of Intuition, Bill Evans and Eddie Gomez. Yep. So okay, that's your the, holy grail. Um, Johnny, may nag-co- si, uh, si Jose Sarte nag-comment. Pat Metheny's secret story is on vinyl. I know. I have a copy. Oh. Yay! So it exists. <laughs> so, it, so it exists. Now you have to find, you have to track down a copy. I have a copy too. So hard to find. Oh, 
Joey has a copy also. Yeah. You have a copy yeah. of Secret Story? Oh, I don't have Sorry. one. I, I don't. I'm still looking for it. Oh, that's what he's looking for. Man, you should come to the house this weekend. And, and uh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, just... I think I think that's the absolute best album that Pat Metheny ever made. Um, Guys, sama ko pwede. I'll bring, a, I'll bring a good bottle of scotch and I'll listen oh, to the album. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Uh, see, see. You, you had us at the good bottle of scotch. Yeah. <laughs> there okay. you go. Now, I, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the second question. Second question, okay? Um, for, the, for the rundown, what is your most played LP? Johnny, let's start with you. Right now, Derek and the Dominoes Live. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Ikaw, yeah. Joey, ano yung, ano yung most played LP mo? Jimi Hendrix Live in Winterland. Ooh. You know, that, that very, very first tune that he does is just like a free-form introduction to Hey Joe. Mm. You know, it's just him, you know, maybe about three or four minutes into it, it's live, you know. And then he goes straight into... Fantastic, fantastic. Nice, nice. All right, third question. What would be if you could only choose one? What is the LP that you would never ever part with? As in they'll have to pry it out of your cold dead hands. Oh my god. What's the one album you would never part with? Johnny. <laughs> I can see your, oh, that, I can see your, your eyes got really that's that's so difficult to answer because I have so many records that I'll never never part especially those add... that I know that I know will never be the issue Yun. Yun. yeah there's so many like for example the, the Capitol albums of the Beatles those will never ever be the issue uh, what we know as the Beatles albums are the ones from the UK but yeah. the capital versions, uh, they have different titles and they, they have different running orders. Sometimes even different mixes, and uh, uh, those will never be the issue. Those are the absolute, you know, treasure. Can I show no, you some? Joe. Yeah, sure. Ah, uh-huh. say Joey Muna. Then uh, uh, Joey, uh, Joey. Ano yung ano yung ano? Ano yung most uh, most precious album mo? Okay. I um I started off by uh, the the ratio of jazz to rock is probably maybe on the ratio of seventy percent or maybe even eighty percent jazz and then twenty percent rock. But if I was going to choose one album that you'd have to kill me to get it, and uh, mind you, I'll whatever money I have left, I will I will hire some vicious dogs to guard <laughs> these albums. Okay? So you you you'll still get bitten before you can pry it out of my cold hard hands okay <laughs> you said one album it's actually a series of four okay, okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm i'm bending the rules here woodstock one two three and four Ooh-hoy. okay purely because that was a magical moment in time it can never be replicated those kinds of if you listen to 10 years after i'm going home you listen to it again now that one of alvin lee you i'm going home yeah. You listen to that, and if that doesn't make your hair stand, manhika, okay, that's for sure. Hmm? 
You listen to Hendrix performance. You listen, you guys listen to Sly and the Family Stone there. Yeah, man. How many hundreds of thousands did they got? You can hear it on the record. You can feel yeah. the sound. It's not so nice in recording. But when Sly and the Family Stone came and the Paul Butterfield Blues Band with a guitar player named Buzzy Featon, okay? And he had David Sanborn on sax. My gosh, if you hear uh, everything's gonna be all right, you listen to that tune again today. And if that doesn't get you off your seat dancing, manhid keo. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Woodstock one, two, three, and four. Oh, yeah. Johnny, you want to you want you want to show us some of your your Beatles? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the for Columbia? example, everybody knows the cover of a Hard Day's Night, but not this one, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. this is the Columbia pressing. This is the U.S. version. Uh, United Artists. This is the mm. soundtrack. Yeah, they'll never, they'll never reissue it. It's not a bootleg. It's official, but they'll never reissue it. Wow. Yeah, stuff like that. You know, like uh, you have, uh, yeah, this, see this familiar picture. Yes. But it's a different title. See. Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. My oh, combo, but, pa. Combo, uh, pop combo, yes. I'm wording. <laughs> that reminds Beatles, me of what my dad... Uh, you know, this is for the American market back in the early days of Beatlemania. Oh, you meet the Beatles. Yeah, and yung Woodstock albums. Yun. This is yeah. one. Help. Help, look. See? It's different, eh, oh? It, oh nga, never... no? even, even, even the running order in some, some of the songs are different. You know, stuff like that. Wow. This is Woodstock 2. That's 2? I've never seen the cover of it. And that look, was reissued by Rhino. Yeah, Three days Rhino. Of, mm. of peace and music. And, uh, One of those and kids and on, on, on the drums. Sun amplifiers. Nice. Used by a band called Mountain. That's the okay. drum set Mountain. Okay, guys, we've hit the two-hour mark. So for the closing segment, um, for our um, for our uh, last call, all right. Um, last question: What advice would you give to anyone who just started collecting vinyl today? If you have any advice to give, what would that be, Johnny? You want to start? Uh, well, always buy what you like. Don't don't buy what people tell you you should like. You know, you should buy the stuff you like. But keep keep an eye out on on the quality of the product. Um, uh, you know, buy something that's worth your penny, um, mm. something that you could hang on to for a long time, something that you won't regret buying later on. You know, and 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 build from there. Um, and uh, I would also suggest that uh, if if you like an artist that much, you should follow the guy's career and then buy buy his discography so you you have you have a path uh because i i learned i learned you cannot buy everything you cannot buy the history of the music of the world you know you cannot possibly buy the history of music you know i mean it's impossible although there are some eccentric billionaires who have who have like two million records and he's standing literally on top of his pile and doesn't make sense, but yeah. but what's important is uh, for a collector, a serious collector, to 
to be a connoisseur. Uh, you you pick what you like and and you take care of what you like. You curate you curate the the stuff that you like and you cultivate it and uh, and, and let it grow. Let it grow and then and then finally uh, you might find avenues for you to branch out. Like if you like this particular artist, maybe this particular artist would play with someone else and this someone else is also interesting to you. So you follow that person as well and it branches and it branches. And that's how the collection works. There you go. Fantastic. Thank you, Johnny. What about you, Joey? Any advice for any uh, vinyl collectors out there? You know, it's 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 not really advice, but what maybe I can share a little bit about how I got into it and uh, my my particular habits of um, um, uh, how I, I I pick particular records or particular music. Number one is like what Johnny said, buy what you like. Okay? But let me tell you something about that. The more you research about these artists, and the more background that you're able to and, and now it's so so much easier because there's the internet yeah. you, you you can before we had to research that by magazines yeah but by 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 word of mouth by people who came from the states and watched these people by people who are actually good musicians and we would watch their gigs and then they say you know when we used to play with so and so you know he did this on the bandstand etc you know people through their music, but you're going to know their music more. And it's going to mean so much more if you know a little bit about the person and their associations. There's more provenance in the music. So one tip that I have is this. There's all sorts of methods in, in buying records. <clears throat> Number one, you don't have to buy a lot. Okay? You don't have to. To, to, the, the enjoyment of one record is the same as the enjoyment of 100. It's the same. It's the same goosebumps that you get when listening to one song or having 10,000 records. But this much I'll tell you. I've never, ever walked into a record store, and I've been buying again avidly and before I stopped buying uh, quite extensively. I never, 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 ever walked into a store with a list. I never did it. Mm. I never would do it. Why? Because I want to get lost in, 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 in the labyrinth of the piles. I like to flip through it and see, ito. Oh, then I flip it around and I say, Ay, ito pala. this is the, the time that he played with so-and-so or something like that. Or, hey, this is unusual. This is, you know, like, this is... I know it's going to be a good record already because these are the people playing on it. And I, this is because of that album. You know, the, the more the more tidbits you know, the more background, the, the more meaningful the music is for you. I'm not the type of, of buyer who, even if there's a record player there, I'll open the, the LP and put it on. Maybe I will, but you know what? Okay na sa akin, makita ko lang yung album and kung sino on, on it. So it, it's more like... That's how I approach music also. I have a set pattern, but I don't like to, okay, it's the next song, okay, then I'll repeat myself. No way. There was no fun. It's a wank. I want to go in there and, and express myself. So it's like being a kid in an ice cream store. There are 50 different flavors. You know what you want, but you want to try each and every one. And then you have your favorites, Diva. So yeah. that's what I would do. 
go in and enjoy the, be in the moment, you know, be a kid again. Or if you're a kid, enjoy being a kid in the, in the record store. That something is going to be with you for life. You know, that's why I guess this hobby is so dear to me. <clears throat> because I relive my, well, we're still young, but you know, oh, wow. the memories of my youth come back to me. A song's melody comes. I remember what I did, what I drank, how much wasted I got, who I made league out to at that time. <laughs> or, 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 or what kind of performance we had when we were trying to listen to this set. You know, yeah. music, music is your life because your life is a bunch of memories. And finally, I read this somewhere, <clears throat> or somebody shared this. You know, he used to be in a band. He was an Indian guy, okay? And he lived here for a while. He was our bass player. And he said, you know why music is so dear in Indian mythology? And I didn't know what this guy was putting my leg. He goes, because music is the language of the gods in Indian mythology. Okay? So if you can express yourself, that's why people get elated when they listen to music, when they play, when they share music. It becomes a spiritual thing. It becomes, yes. makes you closer to your higher power, whatever higher yes. power that is. If your higher power is vinyl, then we have something in common. All right. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you for sharing your insights, your wisdom, your experience, and your absolute love and passion for music. Thank you for coming onto the show and sharing this slice of your experience with us. Um, well, you know, I'm sure we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you guys back on the show to talk about music, music. This is just vinyl, pare, you know, um, okay. to talk about music, music um, on, uh, in, in our future shows. But thank you so much for saying yes tonight. And thank it you for sharing. Thank you is. for sharing <laughs> your passion. All right. So, um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Johnny Allegre and Joy Puyat. Thank you so much, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Be, be safe and take care, guys. And okay. uh, hey, we'll see each other this weekend. I'll bring that scotch. See ya. Great. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Same. Thank you, see guys. Ya. Thank you. Bye. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was fantastic. Um, you know, I mean, learning from these two icons of Pinoy rock and Pinoy jazz, these two excellent musicians. And, you know, the, the passion for music is not just in the playing it, but then they listen to it. They listen to it. They discover things. And, you know, like what, what Joey Puyat was saying, when you walk into a record store, you don't go in with a list. You know what you like, but keep yourself open to discovery. And that's just the most amazing thing. And um, what, what Johnny says, um, you know, when you're collecting, just like with your tastes in music, even if you're not collecting vinyl, if, whether you're listening to it on Spotify or going to see a band, you know, go with what you like. And that will lead you down the road of discovery and appreciation and love for music. And really, it's, it's, it's a way to connect to your higher power. And that's what music is for us. So thank you for tuning in to our vinyl night. We're going to have uh, another one next month. Um, if you'd like to contribute or maybe even be on the show to talk about your vinyl collection, please drop us a line, send us a message. All right, we would love to hear from you. And before we close out this episode, um, just a few announcements from Offshore Music. Suspiria Pink, 
Their brand new album, Vices, is available on all streaming platforms. It's a fantastic album by these new young guys. I hope they have a vinyl release, seriously, because this album is awesome. But talking about a vinyl release, the Eraserheads are releasing their Sabado 1995 on 45 RPM vinyl. It's coming out soon. It features the Esquire recordings and includes bonus remix versions of the Maps and Lust Bass. Thank you again to our friends from the Misty Mountain Cafe in Buenos Dias, Panadera. You bring me such happiness. It's a perfect combination. Really, premium coffee and their espresso buns and their Milo buns. Really, you cannot ask for anything more. Thank you so much also to our friends from Liquor.ph. Now, uh, it's classic scotch collection at Liquor.ph. Pick up one of the best scotch whiskey bundles around the Liquor.ph today. John DeWar and Sons. The John DeWar and Sons single malt collection can be yours for just 8,122 pesos. That's four bottles of award-winning single malt scotches at four. Uh, uh, wow, it's a 44% discount. Get it today and of course with free delivery in Metro Manila whenever you order from the website of our friends from liquor.ph. So hey, thank you so much for tuning in to On The Rocks. I'm Jamie Wilson reminding you to keep on rocking, keep on rolling, and if all else fails, let the music keep you going. And if you find that your life is a little shaken up or stirred, mixed up or on the rocks, what matters most is that you take your shot. Thank you very much, and good night. On the Rocks with Jamie Wilson is brought to you by Offshore Music. Go where the sound takes you.